Welcome back to the Line to Gain podcast. This is season three, episode 17, covering week 16 of the NFL season. I'm your host, Jeremy Dixon, here as always with Mike Parker. Mike, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Thursday, we're recording in the morning uh, on this week between Christmas and New Year's. It's a little weird. We usually record on uh, Wednesday evening, but uh, you know, we didn't have our up, homework man. prepared. Yeah, things, things come up, and yeah, it's it was hard to get notes for all these games with all the you know, family stuff going on. And uh, but yeah, I'm we're we're here now. We're ready to go. So let's uh, let's, let's get, get to it because we have plans. Yeah, we have, yeah yeah we have stuff to do today. So let's go. <laughs> All right, so I assume you don't have any bets from this week, so we can skip Degenerate Corner for now. Yeah, is that no correct? Bets. All right. No bets. Let's, let's hit into uh, week, what is it, week 16. Two, uh, this is uh, two weeks left after this. Uh, first game, New Orleans at uh, the Rams. This was Thursday night football last week. Um, you know, the Rams are winning this game like 30-7 to 7, with a little over 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. It, really much, it pretty much looked like it was over. And then somebody woke up Derek Carr. Uh, who just kind of like popped out of bed and, you know, had two fourth quarter uh, touchdowns to make it look co- close. Um, to me, it's more like a garbage time scenario than it is this team fighting back. Yeah, um, there's going to be a lot of references to my fantasy football team in this episode. And, um, you know, I'm I'm Lost. selfish and it's all about me anyway. So um, the, the Rams, I actually, so I, I started Jake Browning over Derek Carr, which was a huge mistake. Uh, and I, I'm, I play in this one fantasy league that you start two quarterbacks. So I was basically Derek Carr or Jake Browning and I made the wrong choice there. And then, um, I'm also in just, a I mean, the previous three weeks, it would have been the right choice. So I it was, well, I, and I did, I did play him. I was just trying to ride the hot hand. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, the uh, I also um, I was worried about the Ravens getting uh, getting their defense getting beat up by San Francisco. So I started the Rams defense instead of the Ravens, which turned out to be a huge mistake. But it didn't look bad until the Saints kind of went on a tear there in the fourth quarter. So up until that point, it was it would have been a pretty, pretty evenly matched um, defensive output. But anyway, yeah, you man, the. Puka Nakua, these guys are crazy, man. Like, it's just, it's amazing um, how good he is this year, how how well Matt Stafford is. I mean, I I figured Matt Stafford was done coming into this season. And they're... He looked uh, like it at the end of last year. Yeah, they're, and they're what, sitting in the sixth seed right now? Um, So, good for them, man. Wait, I mean, I think Sean McVay is a hell of a coach. I think, you know, they found another you know lightning in a bottle with puka nakua kind of similar to cooper cup and then kyron williams i mean i didn't even realize how good i definitely didn't realize how good this kid was so um they're they're really they kind of just reloaded and uh seems like they're ready to to get back at it yeah um... on like a super bowl caliber level i mean going into next year mike who's your would you be shocked if the Rams won the NFC West next year? Um, yes, I would. Really? Um, I, I I think they found to your point, lightning in a bottle. I also thought they've they've we've discussed this before. They have a lot of value in late round and uh, unrestricted free agents on this team. Mm-hmm. They're playing together well. Now, is that part of them just finding like really good players that were overlooked? Is that their coaching staff? that's doing a good job getting them prepared. 
Um, can they reproduce this um, with as players come in and out? Uh, you would think at some point they need to stack the defensive front a little bit. Um, their secondary at times gets a little, uh, as we saw in this game, a little out of place. There's a there was a couple of uh, deep slants where they just kind of didn't know where they were going. But sure. I think all in all, they're playing really well. And, you know, Stafford, who got my game ball this this week, is kind of like an antidote to any of your problems. 71% on 34 attempts, 328 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and, you know, I looked at the at the stats. He only completed a pass to four receivers, I saw, which is I had insane that, to I had me. that note down, that, too. That's that, like that's old crazy. school, like 1990 football right there, where you yeah. have two – you have two um, – an, an X, Y, and a Z receiver and a tight end, just like standard formations. And uh, they they won this game, at least the first three quarters, you know, unassailably um, with, with that strategy. So, yeah, very interesting game. I think, unfortunately, in the NFL, things like this, they're having a great season. Let's, let's call them the New York Giants um, from last year, right? The New York Giants played well above themselves. Coaching was great. Even the quarterback play was good, got them into the playoffs, and then they kind of the wheels fell off. Right. And then this year, we all know what they what they were. I think the Rams are this year's Giants. I think my guess is next year, um, you know, these guys will eventually kind of, you know, go back to the mean and and they're probably depending on what the what the Seahawks do, you never know. They'll probably be somewhere in the uh third, I would I would think would be 49ers, Seahawks, Rams, and then still another year in middling um, with with Arizona. Okay. So uh, did Stafford get your game ball then, or who who are you giving? Your yeah, game yeah. Ball? yeah. Stafford got the game ball. I got Puka Nakua as a as a spotlight. 164 receiving yards and a touchdown. Had a couple of key receptions in the game. That one amazing one where he kind of slid into second and caught the ball. Um, it looked initially like he didn't catch it, but he actually caught it was touched down. And then as he was, the slide was coming to an end and he rolled over, the ball kind of came out, but he was down by contact at that point. So really, really amazing. And the throw to by Stafford to get it there. I mean, just, just amazing, uh, play by, by Matt Stafford yeah. all day, all year, frankly, he's playing at a, you know, obviously a top 10 level. I mean, I think he's probably playing at a top five level right now. So, yeah. All, All right. right. We had three Saturday games. Uh, I'm sorry, two Saturday games this week. Um, one, the first one, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Uh, the Pittsburgh offense showed up for this game, uh, no doubt, almost 400 total yards and 34 points. Uh, Pittsburgh defense did their part as well. Three sacks. Uh, eight quarterback hits, three forced, bump, uh, uh, forced uh, three uh, interceptions, and another uh, two turnovers on down. Um, Cincinnati in this game, they fell to eight and seven. Um, although they're not mathematically eliminated yet, they're 0 and 5 in their division. Um, lose many of these tiebreakers with teams fighting for that seventh and final spot in the AFC playoffs. Um, I'm presuming Buffalo locks in the sixth. Uh, uh, so that's that presumption uh, presumption means that there's only really that seventh spot that's open. Mm-hmm. And it's unlikely for me that since he gets in this game, they needed this win. Yeah, I agree. Um, my first note from this was that I didn't even realize Mason Rudolph was still in the NFL until a couple weeks ago when uh, um, 
after Kenny Pickett had gone down and Mitch Trubisky was stinking the place up, they were chanting for Mason Rudolph in Pittsburgh. So um, good for him to kind of take the the bull by the horns uh, in in this in this uh, in, in getting another chance to. Because I think he was pretty highly regarded, kind of uh, backing up um, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, because he's been in the league now five years, I think. And yeah, I, I completely forgot he was even there anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, 290 yards passing, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Like, that's great. Um, Mitch Trubisky must be the greatest practice quarterback of all time. Because I have no idea why he gets the second spot over Mason Rudolph. Mason wow. came from it was uh, Oklahoma State, right? And they had a lot of that like run and shoot stuff. And like back back in the day before it became popular in the NFL as well, um, this type of offense. So he knows how to throw the ball. I mean, he was up for discussion at the time for a Heisman candidate for how well that offense was was humming back in the day. So kid right. can definitely throw the ball. I guess you know what are his decisions in these like high leverage situations? That's what it comes down to, but he has the physical tools to throw the ball. And he did uh, in this game for sure. Yeah. yeah no, look good. George Pickens goes off. He has four catches for 195 yards and two touchdowns. Um, two of them were huge, like 80 yard reception. So, I mean, a lot of that. One was a short slant that he took to the house and the other one was a, a, a deep pass down the sideline. So right. um, kind of he, he won in both places, you know, yak and just like, you know, air yard catches. Yeah. He's, he's a, spe- he seems like a special player, man. I mean, he does. Um, I, I follow, I don't even know why I follow Antonio Brown on Twitter and he is always great. Yeah. You know, talking about how, he sees a lot of George of himself and George Pickens, and I'm like, I, I'm if I'm Pickens, George Pickens, I don't want to hear that. Ever. I'm hoping that's not the case, but um, you know, he was getting a little uh, lippy, you know, with the media a couple weeks ago about you know not getting the ball enough and and kind of uh, that sort of thing. But yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, he's not uh, the next Antonio Brown. Uh, but I wanted to also say not about talk about Najee Harris having he hadn't gotten the end zone, another 78 yards rushing. And, you know, Jake Browning, although he does throw those three interceptions and he fumbled once, but luckily Cincinnati recovered it. He did have 335 yards passing and a touchdown. So um, he was out there and, and they're battling without um Jamar he had a good two-point conversion, too, with that little shuffle pass to mix in. Yeah. So um, yeah. and Jamar there were moments where out. he was out there. Jamar yeah. Chase was out as the number one receiver for them, and that's that's got to be tough too. But they, although they do have two, you know, T. Higgins and uh, Tyler Boyd. Well, T. Higgins two. stepped up one forty and a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. So all right, yeah. Let me know what, what were your uh, what was your spotlight for this one, or did you already? Well, I had I had Jake Browning. Uh, had a tough day. Uh, Pittsburgh was disguising a lot of the coverage, um, and you know, dropping the defense. Uh, you know, underneath and he just, they took away those short passing yards. And I think he got confused by some of the movement, the, the pre-snap movement. Um, and some of those mistakes really killed, killed the drives, but you know, he did have a pretty, he, he didn't look like everyone has bad games. doesn't matter who it is. And it didn't look like he looked like he was able to shake it off a bit and keep, you know, keep with the plan. Um, it just didn't work out this week. 
Um, I also had uh, George Pickens. We talked about him. Mason Rudolph is. I, I, I looked at the, both the offensive de- defensive game balls in the scenario. So those two got my offensive game balls. Defense, Alex Highsmith, one sack, one quarterback hit, and an interception. And then Patrick Peterson, I wanted to give him a shout out. Two tackles and an interception today. And he played safety for the first time in his career because Patrick it was out. Casey uh, was suspended for the hit last week. So um, he really stepped up, rotated over to that safety position, and and uh, they didn't seem to skip a beat too much. So good job by him. Yeah, no, that's uh, I keep forgetting he's still in the league too, man, and, and still playing. You a- remember when he came in, he looked like Hulk. Now he's just like this. He had some sort of like illness or something like that, and then you know changed the way he ate and you know lifted and all that kind of other stuff, and then turned into like this slider, but you know. Now he's just like that wily veteran that just knows where to be before the ball is going. So Seems there's still like some a, value in that. A little bit of Charles Woodson there switching from corner to safety late in his career. And a lot of Woodsons did that. I think uh what was the guy that was played for Pittsburgh forever and then uh Baltimore won a Super Bowl with them? Rod Woodson. Rod Woodson, yeah. He was corner he started off as corner and moved over to safety as well. So yeah. uh it's huge tra- tra- tradition of that. Kind of the you lose a you lose a step, right, as a corner. And you kind of slide over if you can. Yeah. All right. Uh, next game on Saturday was Buffalo at uh, Chargers. I think this is the 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 weirdest thing about this game uh, is uh, Buffalo won despite playing a pretty sloppy game and turning the ball over three times. Um, you know, you look at this game in retrospect, it it looked like a good game on paper, like in August. Um, but as a Christmas Eve game in real time in 2023, it really kind of sucked. There was really nothing that was fascinating or fun about this game. I mean, at least it was somewhat close. Um, and you know, there was a, like, wasn't a complete blowout. Um, but yeah, you know, I figured the chargers were either going to roll over and, and play dead or after firing their coach <laughs> and GM, or they were going to, they were going to come out and, uh, and really step up and play hard. And that's what they did. Um, you know, it, Buffalo's defense. You got to give them credit for that, at least. For yeah. Sure. And Buffalo's defense played really well and only allowed the one touchdown um, to East, uh, rushing touchdown to Easton Stick. And then, you know, Dicker, the kicker, uh, hits five field goals uh, to keep them in it right until the end. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, you summed it up right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, yeah. And, and you know, uh, Allen's able to, to get three touchdowns has two thirty-seven uh, and a touchdown through the air. Um, but he did kind of have, like, I mean, I feel like that interception was kind of a little YOLO esque Josh Allen there for a minute. Um, but he also had another two touchdowns on the ground, which is great. So. Yeah. Just the sloppiness of, of uh, Buffalo in this game, they were playing a team that was severely injured, at this point, just a shell of themselves and couldn't really compete with just the better, the better team. And man, I always, I've been saying this for the last few weeks now, these teams, if they don't clean up some of these things, I know Buffalo feels like they can go into any stadium and beat any team, but if they don't clean up some of the mental mistakes, the turnovers, James Cook fumbled twice, lost it once. Um, if they don't clean these up as they move into the playoffs, it's going to be tough sledding for them. So I also wanted to call out one of my game balls, Gabe Davis, 130 yards and a touchdown on only four receptions. So he had a pretty big day and uh, so good job by him. 
All right. Uh, anything else on this game? Um, I just wanted to point out that James Cook uh, single-handedly tried to destroy uh, fantasy football managers' seasons, um, including mine, but I was luckily able to prevail. Uh, he only had 70 yards, um, and he lost a fumble. Uh, also had no receptions after, and that's coming off of that huge uh, week last week where I think he had like 200 yards um, of total offense and a and couple touchdowns and like really – kind of propelled everyone he uh that he was not able to get going this week so i guess good on the chart always being able to slow him down they always have this like running back that if you look at them in fantasy football their points are like fifth or sixth in the league in fantasy points but you look at their their stats week to week it's like 60 yards and 20 yards there's nothing spectacular about it i think james cook is one of the opposite ones like one week as like i don't know 30 fantasy points the next week it's like eight or 12 mm-hmm. or whatever he's just or, like all or over five the and board. a half uh in this case um uh, but anyway yeah <laughs> there you go it's just it's just really weird because those fumbles that it's the turnovers that hurt you that's what like I had Ben Roethlisberger as a, as a quarterback for, for a couple of years. And that guy just killed me 300 yards, you know, three touchdowns. I'm like, wow. And also two picks. So it's just like, it always just, there was. I read on Twitter also that um, James could like 80% of bets on his yardage over under went on the over and he had 73 and the over under was 70.5 yards, I think. And on the, last play a lot or one of the last offensive plays that Buffalo had they ran the ball to him and he had 73 yards at the time and got knocked back for a three-yard loss so oh yeah 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 all those winning tickets went down the drain man that's (laughs) That's gotta be tough so that's why we don't bet on this show anymore (laughs) (laughs) actually I I made some bets this week we can talk about it later but I'm pretty excited to unveil this All all right so Moving on, Indianapolis at Atlanta. Um, I guess this game was a bit of a surprise. Atlanta had not looked good uh, or competent this season. Uh, but in this game, Atlanta, the, the team was kind of what I expected them to play like. Solid defense in a good running game. So I'll just spotlight the Atlanta offense right now. Over 400 total yards. Uh, they protected the ball. No turnovers. Bijan and Algier combined for 210 all-purpose in a touchdown um well balanced as well i mean their run to pass was 33 to 30 i think this is the atlanta falcons that we wanted to see all year uh it just sucks that it happened in in week 16 yeah my first note it's kind of similar i just you know honestly thought um atlanta was done and ready to to go on vacation uh but <laughs> you know they they came out and and tyler heineke was was moving the ball over the field um Kyle Pitts finally gets in the end zone and, and uh, our old friend young way uh kicks five field goals. And yeah, man, I mean, Gardner Minshew looked pretty terrible too, to me. Um, he had just over 50% of, uh, completed only 50% of his passes just over actually for 200 yards, but he was sacked six times for 31 yards as well. Which yeah, is, so that's uh, great segue. Cause they get my game ball, the Atlanta defense. Yeah. In addition to those six outs, they had 11 hits. They had an interception by Jesse Bates, who is quietly one of the biggest pickups for them this season. He has um, six interceptions, a touchdown, and three forced fumbles. Leads the team in tackles with 100 and, uh, 117. I'll tell you what, Cincinnati, his previous team, really misses uh, the contributions of Jesse Bates this year. 
Absolutely. A uh, little disturbing note from this game. Michael Pittman, um, after suffering that just disgusting hit um, and, and concu- subsequent concussion last week, uh, he was on pace to play in the game. And then I guess during pregame warmups, he had some concussion-like symptoms flared back up. So they uh, had to pull him out of the game, um, which is, yeah, that's kind of scary. I don't know how they make these determines, the determinations. This is just a finger in front of his face. Like what technology are we using to decide whether this guy's brain is, is scrambled or what? Because it seems weird to me that he could get that far down the path and then be on there, run a route and just, you know, be seeing double or something like that. I, I just don't. How about the I old don't get it, vars- How about the old varsity lines? Like, uh, how many fingers am I holding? He's like, you got to ask him a true or false question. Man's <laughs> holding up some fingers. True or false? <laughs> oh, man. It's crazy stuff out there. Let's get better at this, guys. All right. Um, I got some I got some suggestions for Atlanta to help their quarterback situation uh, coming up later in the show. So we'll. Uh, keep it pushing here. Uh, Seattle at Tennessee. Uh, Geno Smith back in for this game after missing two. I think it was a, with a growing injury. He played pretty well. Almost 70% completion on 36 attempts uh, for 227 and two touchdowns. Um, this game was 6-10 to 10, uh, until deep in the fourth quarter. So not a lot of action. And then absolutely just like a barrage. Pretty interesting game. Yeah, I mean, being a Seattle Seahawks fan is hard. It's not an easy. It's not easy. I, I like. I I honestly thought Seattle was going to come in this game and just light up Tennessee. Which uh, why would they? Um, it was they were to- missing a lot of their starters on defense. Uh, their backup quarterback was in, um, who was Tannehill, so he has some reps as a starter. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless. It's just a weird game. Just a, a ten, and it was they were ahead ten. Uh, Tennessee was ahead ten to three at halftime. It just felt so disappointing. Um, and then you know Seahawks. It was a, a touchdown pass, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was Derrick Henry's touchdown pass. It got them yeah. on the board with that right. first touchdown. Yeah, weird stuff. And yeah, it was just it was it was strange. I, I saw that the Seahawks were like the first team to to win to win a game on a go-ahead touchdown in the last minute two weeks in a row since like the 1980 Dolphins or so. I'm not 100% sure who it was but um yeah I mean a we long just period of time yeah, it's been a long time um but yeah I mean Geno Smith comes back kind of does Geno Smith things throws for 227 and two touchdowns doesn't turn the ball over uh Kenneth Walker I feel like probably had the most impressive 54 yards rushing uh, that I've seen in a while because the, the, he was getting no help from the offensive line. He was just getting, didn't, didn't I slide over to your house and kind of we we're watching him a little bit and yeah. just like he had that like Barry run where he goes to the right, runs into a wall, comes back. Yeah. I have that as a note as well. Kenneth Walker has a game ball, 54 yards, had a con- couple of fantastic runs to keep the chains moving. Um, on our early scoring drive. So, yeah, good job by him. Yeah. All right. Um, I also have – let's – I wanted to give a shout-out to – a shout-out to some of the other guys that kept the, the chains – kept kept these – that made big plays to keep the drives alive. So, we got Tyler Lockett, 81 yards receiving, no touchdowns. But, man, when we needed a big catch uh, over the middle, he was there. JSN, 61 yards. And then DK, 56 yards. And that – uh Touchdown, didn't catch it cleanly initially, but got it, got both feet down. Little uh 
toe drag swag. Yeah. Um, and they and, called uh, that they called that incomplete on the field. That, that seemed pretty yep. obvious. We had to throw a flag. Down, we had to yeah, throw a flag. Had, uh, yeah. He also had that one at the front side of the end zone in that scoring play or that scoring uh, that go ahead touchdown um, where uh, it was a PI, a pass interference. Right. So he he drew he drew the pass interference. There's a couple of key catches that he had, like he's been doing. I mean, he doesn't always show up the entire game but like that fourth quarter dk right now is is he's on our he's on a the last two games sure. the last two games he's really uh taken you know taken a big role in the offense in those fourth down or on the, in those fourth quarters so yeah good shout out yeah i think you know seattle's they slid into the seventh seed of the nfc playoffs this week um i think their only real challenger at this point is minnesota um i don't think I mean, obviously, depending on what happens with L- uh, the, the the Rams, um, but I don't see a lot of people sliding, you know, past us. Just looking at who's right. there, you got the Falcons, who are in the ninth seat. Minnesota, first team out at at the A seed. Seattle looks pretty um, comfortable there um, with an, a very winnable schedule coming up. We um, host Pittsburgh, and then we got uh, the Arizona Cardinals to finish out the year. So in um, Seahawks lingo, winnable games means you're probably going to lose them both. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or at least but, we're going to be sitting on the edge of our seats waiting for them to screw something up at the end. But yeah. Okay. Anyway, I think the magic number is probably 10. If we get, if we can get to 10 and seven, we're, we're oh, probably yeah. going to be. Well, yeah. In. We're, if so, we went out, we're in for sure. So yeah. Yeah. I think we so, control our own destiny. So yeah. All right. Any other notes on this game? No. All right. Let's move on. Detroit, Minnesota. I worry about Detroit's de- defense in the playoffs. Uh, the playoffs started today. They would be hosting the uh, L.A. Rams. Uh, I'm not sure that Detroit wins this game. Nick Mullins has probably end up, ended Minnesota's playoff hopes. Um, like I said, they're currently in the A spot. Um, they have Green Bay next week, uh, this week coming up. Um and they have some still something to play for. I think they have Green Bay and Detroit back to back. So I think Green Bay is going to be a hard out uh, for them. Um, this is obviously a must win for Minnesota, but you know I think it's going to be tough sledding for them moving forward. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, like you'd mentioned, Nick Mullins, he throws for 411 yards and two touchdowns, but has four interceptions as well. Um, and and you it, know, it's the- hard. It's hard to the Lions defense when they turn when they got turnovers right so that's the whole thing you should never allow Nick Mullins to throw for 411 yards on you but also they got him I think there was five total turnovers that they were able to to get and I just I don't know what this defense looks like you know moving forward yeah well these teams like I was shocked that uh the Lions let Minnesota hang in as long as they did exactly I don't it was just back and forth all game. And then, you know, Minnesota kick, I had marked down here, Minnesota kicks a field goal with just over five minutes remaining to make it a six point game to get within six. Uh, they forced Detroit to give them the ball back with two twenty three remaining in the game. And then Minnesota drives all the way down to the Detroit 30 before Mullins throws that fourth interception and essentially seals uh, the game, but yeah, I mean, they were, they had a chance to, to come back and win that thing. So it's, it's pretty crazy. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to spotlight Justin Jefferson here. Um, I think it's his third game back after his mm-hmm. injury. Uh, another great performance uh, in a loss, 141 yards uh, on 
six receptions and a TD. He was actually the one that was wide open on, not wide open, but like NFL open on the goal line when Mullins throws that lame duck yeah. under uh, fourth interception, um, basically to end the game. So I kind of feel bad for him in a, in a lot of ways. Cause that guy's out there just, I got another receiver that kind of was, did that this, that this week was uh, AJ Brown. Just like the guy was out there, just a complete warrior on the field and just, you yeah. know, in this case, you know, Justin couldn't get it done. You know, he did everything he could and they, and they lost. And that, that, that's gotta be, you know, that feeling's gotta suck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown also in this game I had 12 catches for 108 yards and a touchdown. He's uh kind of back to his doing his thing. So yeah, he got my game ball uh, in this order. I stack ranked him. So Jameer Gibbs, hundred all purpose yards, two touchdowns. I think he had uh, like what we would call a breakout game. Uh, he impacted the, the game. Bubble, and though. yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and then number two, I got Amon Ross St. Brown and then three David Montgomery, 55 yard rushing and a TD. It's nice to have that steady back where you can just uh, pound the ball and wear at wear down that defense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wanted also another note. Uh, TJ Hawkinson tore his ACL, suffered an ACL and MCL injury in this game's out for the season for Minnesota. So that definitely is going to put another a little bit more of a, a hardship on them trying to win the. Uh, or, I yeah. saw them talking about the injury, but I didn't realize it was that significant. Yeah. So that's unfortunate for him and for uh, that Minnesota offense for sure. Yeah. All right. Mo- moving on to Washington at the New York Jets. So I have five sentences to summarize this game and I'll read them to you now. Wow. Jets are killing Washington 27-7. Oh snap. Washington bench towel like it matters. Oh my God. Brissett is going to beat the Jet- the Jets. Jeez. Is Simeon going to win this? And then finally Greg the leg. Exclamation point. That That's how that's my summary of this game. Okay, mine was mine was uh, j- Jets jump out to a twenty-seven-seven lead at halftime behind Bright uh, Brees Hall's two touchdowns and uh, Trevor Simeon touchdown pass. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like I'm just not even paying attention to that game. I'm watching the Seahawks. Uh, next thing I know, I see the score <laughs> flash across the screen, I know. <laughs> saying the Commanders were up twenty-eight twenty-seven, and I was just like, "Wait, I got to flip over there." Um, and saw just like the last few plays before. Uh, Zerline's None of this makes any sense. Yeah, before <laughs> Zerline's 54-yard game-winning field goal with five seconds left. Um, yeah, I, God, man, I don't know. It, so, it's, it's Riverboat just, Ron, Rowboat Ron, whatever you want to call him now, yeah, uh, again, Rowboat. making just poor decisions. Um, he wanted to hang his hat and his, his uh, job on Sam Howell. Uh, 27% passing, 56 yards, two interceptions, and two and a half quarters. That's yuck performance. Yeah, He was forced to bring in uh, Jacoby Brissett in the second game in a row. Jacoby's going to be starting moving forward. This experiment wasn't going to work. We kind of talked about this. You live and die with this in the Sam Howell experience. Bad decision, holds onto the ball, inaccurate passing at times. Um, but then you get these crazy plays downfield a little scrambling action um this guy's regressing pretty quickly now and um my guess black monday um ron rivera is gonna get get canned uh right after the season ends he doesn't have much time but i was happy to see chris uh chris rodriguez jr um i watched him a little bit at kentucky last year with 
uh, Will Levis. And, you know, he seems to have maybe taken over that number one. Or I don't know if um, Brian, I'm blanking on his name, the guy that got shot that was there starting, Brian Robinson maybe, um, if he's injured or if, if Rodriguez just uh, – got the nod at the at the one number one tailback spot but he rushes for 56 and gets gets in the end zone twice which is pretty uh pretty pretty good for him so yeah i wanted to give the game ball to breeze hall i mean he's probably the offensive stalwart on this team um he's consistent well he got injured last year and he was kind of in and out of the lineup early on in the season but when he is in and he is healthy he is the most explosive and I would dare I say best player on that uh, Jets offense. 95 yards rushing, uh, two touchdowns, and he added another 96 yards receiving. So uh, he is in part the, well, I think the main reason that they were up 27 to seven in the first place because uh, of his play. Yep. I, I can't, couldn't say it better myself. Uh, he would get my game ball. All right, not a lot to say about this next game. Green Bay at Carolina. Uh, this was Bryce Young's best game of the year. It's not even close. Uh, Green Bay got the win, but they did not look good outside of Aaron Jones. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had that note, too. This is definitely uh, his uh, – br- uh, what's his name? Bryce Young's best Bryce Young, game. Yeah. Uh, I always get – well, Brees and Bryce. Um, yeah, anyway, Bryce Young's uh, – <laughs> <A lot of, laughs> Best game as a pro for sure. Um, you know, Green Bay, it's just they're up 30 to 16 um, after the first play of the fourth quarter. But then the Panthers, like that's when they really came on, storm back, score two unanswered touchdowns to tie the game at 30 uh, before Jordan Love's able to drive them down with 19 seconds to go. And, and uh, they're able to kick that game winning field goal. But, um, you know, the Panthers impressed the hell out of me, just not giving up. I mean, usually at that point you see they've kind of been doing that all year. At least that defense, they've been yeah. trying to get on on the winning side of these games for sure. Right, right, yeah. DJ Chark caught both of those fourth quarter touchdowns from uh, from Bryce Young, and uh, yeah, Young finishes with two with three hundred twelve yards and those two touchdowns, and no no turnovers, which is huge for him. Um, yep. And then Aaron Jones, man, I wanted to, to mention, I don't know if that's who gets your game ball, but him coming finally yes, back, uh, you know, got 127 yards rushing, which was nice to see. Yeah, spotlight Bryce and uh, game ball Aaron Jones for all the stats and the reasons that you mentioned. So you nailed it. Boom. All right, that one's dead. Buried. Let's go on. Uh, Cleveland at Houston. Um, Cleveland has won three games in a row. They have double-digit wins uh, for just the third time in the 21st century. So um, good job by them. Uh, yeah. Um, my... how, how is this happening, man? With uh, with old man, with old man uh, Joe Flacco here. I, I just don't. It's so crazy. Yeah. So he he got my spotlight. Third straight 300-yard passing game. Uh, he had 368 uh, this weekend, 64% on 42 attempts, three touchdowns, also two interceptions. In many ways, this Flacco performance is a throwback to some bygone-era NFL quarterbacks. Um, we I mentioned this before. I call it the Roethlisberger. Um, sub-65% completion percentage, over 40 attempts, 300-plus yards, three TDs, two interceptions. To me, that's just like a Roethlisberger stat line. And that's what he did this week. Flacco. Yep. He's uh, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm impressed. I know he did throw the two interceptions, but how about Amari Cooper, man? Like 
11 catches for 265 and two touchdowns like that's might be is that the best game from a wide receiver this season it probably has to be this season yes it's also a cleveland browns receiving record for a single game figured, as well. yeah figured it must be close man um yeah great game he got my game ball yeah. nothing more to say 265 is a massive number yeah. uh he looked great out there he was catching some really tough passes too yeah yeah good for him we talked about him being like the the best receiver no one's talking about so it's true um, it's true uh, he's proving it like completely he's got a little heel thing though i saw him limping on that first touchdown a little bit not bad but we'll see how that uh how that goes throughout the week is uh, they, need heard, it. they need him for sure i heard bill simmons uh talking about um whether or not joe flacco is a hall of famer uh no well, I have to take a look at his numbers, but I mean, he's got a Super Bill, Bowl. Bill Simmons said that with if you're giving if you're putting Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame, you have to put Joe Flacco in the Hall of Fame. Essentially, That's how he I don't know one one Super Bowl versus two Super Bowls is a huge difference in my mind um, in the scorecard. So uh, I'll have to take a look at you know Joe Flacco's like overall passing numbers. Um, and his right. hatred for Eli Manning in, in that regard is yeah, like, I mean, I, come on, yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. I just wanted to know what your opinion would be. So, all right, I would, I would have to take a deep look. I mean, we can talk about this at some point, but the, but the final list came out, and we can only choose for the, for the Hall of Fame this year. We can only choose five. I think almost every single one of those players should be in, and it's hard for me not to like to vote for them. Maybe uh, we uh, spin that off. Um, next week or something and make a point like who do we think should get in all right jacksonville at tampa bay uh there is no part of this game that i wanted to watch with the inconsistency of these teams play um i assumed it would be just absolutely unpredictable and it kind of was yep yep um i was kind of shocked um by this game as much as any because i just like i feel like i automatically put nfc south teams in like their own category, just like, well, they won, but they were playing another NFC South team or they won, but they were playing like a crummy team. Um, and so I was expecting the Jaguars to come out, but I, I Trevor Lawrence is still obviously dealing with some injury issues because he uh, got pulled from the game at, at um, some point. And, but I mean, Tampa Bay was already up 30 to zero by the time CJ Beathard is able to, as a replacement for Trevor Lawrence is able to hit Calvin Ridley for a garbage time touchdown. Uh, Tampa's won four straight games. And I mean, they seem to be the, I it's guess bonkers. The, the cream Absolute of bonkers. the cream of the crop in that terrible, uh, terrible division. So uh, Baker Mayfield, man, 283 and a couple touchdowns with no turnovers, which is his big Achilles heel. Um, Evans, yeah, Evans gets both of the touchdown receptions with 86 yards receiving, and um, then yeah, White uh is able to run for 39 and also has uh six catches for 38 and had a touchdown rushing as well. So, um, Buccaneers are all coming together, they're they're, looking good, man. Buccaneers are looking pretty damn good, they're gelling at the right time for sure. Uh, I'm gonna spotlight Trevor Lawrence, I've been on Trevor Lawrence um, over the last kind of season and a half. Like last year, I thought he was, he had, a, he had moved into that top uh, eight uh, NFL quarterbacks this year. It seems like he's regressed a bit. A lot of people are jumping off the bandwagon. Um, I am now driving the bandwagon. I'm going to zag with him a little bit. Obviously he hasn't pl- played well uh, these 
uh, last couple of games uh, uh, for sure, but also really the entire season. Um, I think they're asking him to do too much, or at least he's trying to do too much. He has a lot of injuries on this team, especially on the offensive side, uh, disappearing skill players like Ridley just disappears for games, uh, inconsistent offensive line play. Um, he's probably injured as a result of many of these factors. Um, the shoulder, uh, he was taken out because of the shoulder. He had, I think, a knee or a, an ankle. High sp- I mean, that high ankle sprain is definitely still there. So, um, man, why is he out there running for 29 yards this week? I think it was almost 50 yeah, last week. Led, led the um, team in rushing both weeks, I think. And and that's that's part of the problem, isn't it? You lead the league or lead your uh, your team in rushing with 29 yards. There is a problem here, um, man. I have a tough time looking at like Doug Peterson as a play caller and going like, dude, this guy really knows how to dissect the team. Or he he seems to get his team to rally late in seasons for the most part. But man, it's just not working this year. Um, I'm not in love with kind of the play calls and what they're doing. Um, it's just like, it's like they're standing Trevor out there, like a, like a tackling dummy. Uh, I just like, they need to adjust a little bit more game to game inside the game to, you know, as, so if, if your offensive line is like collapsing on the left side, you shouldn't just have Trevor standing there, right? You need to move him, like bootleg him out, right. like do all these different things to try and get the uh, uh, offense going and like take that pressure off you know, parts of your, your offense. And I just don't see it happening. And man, Trevor Lawrence is getting destroyed. I hope he kind of just misses the last, they're still, they, they win all the tiebreakers for the South. So they're still, um, you know, the listed as the fourth seed in the playoffs right now and are going to have a, a first round home game. So, you know, they can pull this together in these next two games. They might be able to kind of catch some momentum going into the playoffs, but yeah, and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, All right. What do we got next? Arizona at Chicago. Let's um, let's we're going to do this one real quick. <laughs> this is terrible. Exact, I have terrible. I game. have a couple. Of, I have a couple of uh, like side notes to this. Okay. Too, so um, it's not about the game though, really. I, like I like you said, I gave no shits about this game. Um, Chicago wins another game. They move deeper into the middle in the 2024 NFL draft. I don't know what they're doing. Um, Arizona, however, does have the second pick. Um, and I, I went ahead and looked at their mock drafts uh, for the for the first three rounds. Now, I mentioned last week that their offense looked pretty good on paper, right? They're their current offense, but they're missing a key point. And then the rest of their pick should really be focused on defense. This is the mock drafts. Marvin Harrison Jr. at number two. That's going to fill in that that wide receiver position that they're missing. That that very like top receiver. He's probably going to come in the league and they're going to, he's a top 10 receiver right away. Um, they got Nate Wiggins out of Clemson. Cornerback is, is their next first round pick, the 16th pick. Leonard Taylor, defensive line out of Miami uh, with their 34th pick. With their 66th, Tyleek Williams, defensive line, Ohio State. Uh, Zach Frazier, um, in, interior lineman, offensive lineman. Good. You need you need some depth in the interior offensive lineman, and then their final pick in the in the first three rounds, 85th, 81st pick, um, Adisa Isaac Edge out of Penn State. So whoever is doing this and me are on the same like frequency of how Arizona should treat this draft coming up. You need a star receiver. Boom, you got it. 
don't mess with this. If you stay in the number two spot, it's likely that you're going to be able to get him. Stop winning games. And then you just focus on the defense for, for the remainder of your rounds. And then, you know, maybe pick up a running back, pick up an uh, alignment or something like that. So yeah. um, I'm excited. The only thing that, that can mess this up is the Arizona Cardinals office, uh, office front office. So hopefully so they listen. I just have one quick question for you about this game. It's, a, it's just bizarre to me. So, uh, the Cardinals are down 24-10 with five minutes and 30 seconds left in the third quarter. They score a touchdown to Greg Dortch. Then they go for two instead of kicking the extra point to try to make it 24-18 to instead of 24-17. Why, like, what, where's the logic in that? If you're going to try to, if you're really trying to come back. Like why would you go? Uh, that seems like something nine. that so they would a, do. So you need a touchdown and a field goal to win. No, because you're you'd only need a touchdown. Like you're you're going to be down twenty four to eighteen if you get to the two point. If you're you're going to be down twenty four seventeen if you kick the extra point at that point. Oh, you said Chicago only had twenty four points at that point. Yeah, it's twenty four to sixteen. And they didn't get the two, so it'd have been twenty-four to eighteen. Yeah, so it's a one touchdown game. That's what I'm saying. Like, why would you go for two there instead of just kicking the extra point and making it a touchdown? But you miss the extra point, or you miss the two-point conversion. Now you have to go for two if you were to score to tie the game. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make. Yeah, sense. I think they're trying to they're trying to get the win there. Knew that they still had the opportunity to go for the two-point conversion on the back end. Okay, that's I was wondering. I don't have a problem with it. Feels like a pre. I have a problem with them winning. <laughs> yeah, that feels like a preseason move to me that they they did that so that they could try to not win. But yeah, I don't know. But I guess if they do, got it. If they if they did get the two point conversion, then you get two chances to win that game, or yeah. at least or to you tie know, it. move it into overtime. And I think they All took right. the first chance. If we can get up and then we score a touchdown, I can take my extra point. I can be up by one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Spotlight, James Conner, 112 all-purpose and a touchdown. All right. So this is my game ball. Justin Fields, 170 yards, passing, one touchdown, one pick. Most importantly, 97 yards uh, rushing in a TD. We've been – good job, I guess. Um, passing stats aren't really good. Uh, I think it's unlikely that Justin Fields is a bear after this year. Do you Do you have that same feeling? I do. All right. Now, I broke this up. I, I picked, like, uh, I looked at the teams in the AFC and the NFC and go, like, who who would be a good fit here? So, AFC, Pittsburgh, Las Vegas, New England. I, don't I think like, he's the, probably the best fit. As long as Pittsburgh. Bill Belichick's not there, I think New England. Yeah, no, I don't know. <clears throat> I just thought a little Cammy, you know, he's he's kind of Cam Newton in a lot of ways. So I wonder if that if that offense would work heavy on the run. You know, that's kind of a Belichickian thing. But I think Pittsburgh is probably the best bet in the AFC. And then this is where it gets a little interesting for me. NFC, I got Detroit, question mark. Um, but I think they seem to really like golf. So that seemed golf golf maybe they like golf too but uh golf because so that's unlikely to me tampa bay question mark um 
Seems like they they're seem really rallying around Baker, though, too. Like they, Exactly. My guess is they resign, resign him. And then they're mocked for quarterbacks, so maybe Bo Nix. So they'll just, like, get that in the in the, in the the draft. Uh, this one was intriguing to me, and this will come up again in later in my discussion. Uh, Atlanta. Okay. Um, heavy. Well, just, we're going to lean into the running game here. Um, and then uh, Washington. I, I don't want to see this. I just don't like the commanders. I just don't want to root for anyone on the commanders. Uh, and then Seattle? lastly, Seattle, that was my final one in the NFC. And I thought that would be pretty intriguing too. Very Pete Carroll kind of offense, ball control, run, play good defense, kind of gets I, him back to his roots. I think if Pete Carroll's back, that that's a distinct possibility that could, could present itself. All right, cool. Well, thank you for uh, talking this out with me. I'm I'm going to yeah. be excited to see where he lands. Uh, Dallas at Miami. Uh, this was such a fulfilling game for me in so many ways. Um, this is kind of what I needed to see from Miami uh, to believe that they're super, a Super Bowl contender. This was a close game. The Miami defense is really starting to get some pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Uh, and when they needed a sustained drive at the end of the game, they were able to just grind out the clock with the running game. So I thought it was all in all a really good performance uh, by the Miami Dolphins. And that's not yeah. to say that the Dallas Cowboys just rolled over and and, and didn't do it. Uh, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was going to say after watching Hard Knocks uh, this the in season this week, um, you could just tell how bad the Dolphins and especially uh, – Mike McDaniel wanted to win this game and just shut people up about them not being able to beat uh, winning teams. So um, it was get... a fact until this weekend. Yeah, a fact. it's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they got up 19 to 10 before giving up 10 straight points to the Cowboys, including a Brandon cooks, go ahead, touchdown with three twenty-seven left Great in the game. Yeah, it yeah. was. And then uh Tua, and the Dolphins offense drive down the field um, for a game-winning Jason Sanders field goal. And I, I, this might be the first week I'd be okay with you giving a game ball to a, a field goal kicker because Sanders did kick five field goals, including three from beyond 50 yards, which is pretty impressive. So I kind of I, I put two in there. I felt he needed to have a little highlight, uh, 293 and a touchdown. But I think the Miami defense, as I mentioned before, four sacks, 12 quarterback hit. That's ridiculous. They forced a fumble and uh, forced uh, Dallas to go uh, one and three in the red zone. I think if they with all the injuries, in fact, they are just simply making stuff happen. Van Ginkle stepped in at outside linebacker and looks great out there. Um, their two inside uh, defensive tackles um, look great. Um, they're getting pressure on the quarterback with Chubb. I mean, the the secondary looks great, at least on the outside. Um, man, yeah. I think they're doing – they look really good. Um, let's just see if they hold up. I'm rooting for Miami uh, to go deep into the playoffs um, and potentially win a Super Bowl. I would be very happy with that. Yeah. Um, I I love this team and and you know all the things that they're that they're doing. Yeah, I really like the coach. I like yeah, I like everything about these guys. They're they're fun fun team to watch. So I wanted to have a quick spotlight just to end the put a bow on this game. CD Lamb uh, had a great first half, disappeared in the middle, but he came back. 
in the fourth quarter with uh, during that touchdown drive, finished with 118 and a TD. You see this where, you know, the team doesn't have an answer for him. It doesn't know what he plays like, like doesn't see him in real time, like on the field. And then the guy just breaks out, it seemed to happen here. And then they, they figured out how to roll coverage and, you know, keep the ball, mostly get pressure on Dak to keep it out of CD lamb's hand. Right. Um, but in his defense, he's like, all right, well, I'll figure out a way to get to, to work this out. And um, he's really shown me a lot this year. Uh, I'm happy that, you know, for him to be doing this well, he's definitely a wide receiver one. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is his breakout season in my opinion. So really good job by him in this game, even. Absolutely. All right, Mike, let's get to this, uh, Patriots and Broncos, uh, shit show. All right. Uh, Sunday night football, New England at Denver. I didn't watch a second of this game live. Uh, it was pretty boring until the end of the third quarter. Every, I, I, (laughs) there's nothing. I think the first note I had here, there's nothing more fun to me than watching Russell Wilson get hit. And there were a couple of like, just like, I don't know how he even got up from one of these. So he just like, let the ball go like right as he got just annihilated. My spotlight, Russell Wilson takes a lot of shit from people, uh, including the people on this podcast, but he looked uh, uh, pretty good in this game under constant pressure all day. uh, Five sacks for 45 yards, another nine hits, um, he was missing his star wide receiver, Cortland Sutton, who left the game with a concussion. Um, and he still went for 238, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Um, again, I will say it again. He is not the problem uh, to the Denver uh, uh, issues. I don't know. I have a lot about to say about that. We'll get to that later. But um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, Bailey. Get ready. Zapp- get ready for an argument. I'm I'm always ready for an argument whenever I talk to you, Mike. Um, yeah, I actually I I lie. I didn't watch every second of this game. I didn't turn it on till the third quarter, um, just in time to see Bailey Zappi's second touchdown pass to Mike Gusecki, and then the subsequent fumble on the ensuing kickoff, and uh, that gave the Patriots another touchdown and a 16 point lead. Thought it was kind of weird. Uh, that was with a minute 30 to go or less than a minute 30 to go in the third quarter. I thought it was weird that uh, Rich Eisen and was it Kurt Warner? That was the the play-by-play yeah. guys on that. Yeah. Um, They were like acting like the game was over. And I'm just like, you know, this is the Denver can come back. It's the whole quarter of football left to play here. And, you know, like Russell Wilson and Denver's offense turned into the, the what, Oh, oh, 2010 Patriots. What was the year they went undefeated until the Super Bowl? They, they looked un, unstoppable, scoring 16 unanswered points to tie the game with two minutes and 53 seconds left and all three of their timeouts. Uh, then they they forced New England to go three and out. Uh, Denver gets the ball back at their own 39-yard line and probably only need to make it about 20, 25 yards to get into field goal range. Uh, but end up going negative three yards uh, on a three and out and giving the ball right back to the Patriots with 58 seconds to go. And Zappy's able to drive him down to the uh, Denver 38 yard line um, game winning field goal. Now Russell Wilson and Denver are heading for a divorce. Yeah. Uh, Bailey Zappy gets my game ball uh, for all the things that you mentioned. He had that opening, like the first, First play of the game, he fumbles the ball. But after that, 76% completion on 33 attempts, 265 uh, and two TDs. So he'll get my game ball this week. 
not a lot of other standouts in this game otherwise. No, definitely not. So. All right, can we move on? We beat this one to death. Please. All right, Las Vegas at Kansas City, beating, speaking about beating somebody to death. Uh, this is the weirdest game of the week. Uh, Aiden O'Connell didn't have a completion in the first quarter. Uh, then he went on nine for 21 for 62 yards. Casey uh, still lost this game without uh, Las Vegas offense scoring a single point. Yeah, I have uh, first note. I have no idea how the Chiefs lost this game. Uh, Aiden O'Connell only throws for 62 yards. And the Raiders don't score an offensive touchdown, but they do have two uh, defensive scores in seven seconds. Uh, and the Chiefs just can't can't make it happen, man. So I got Patrick Mahomes as my spotlight this week. He's out there running for his life. He led the league. He led the team uh, in rushing with 53 yards. His running backs are oft injured. His wide receivers can't get open. Security blanket seems to be on the backside of his career. And it, man, it happened fast, like overnight almost. Casey is wasting Patrick Mahomes and the best defense that he's ever played with. They got to do something. Somebody had mentioned the other day, and I forget who it is. I'd give him a shout out if I could remember. Basically said, Patrick Mahomes should just throw it. Why isn't he just throwing it at them? Instead of holding the ball and taking the punishment, put it where they're supposed to be and trust them or not. Just let them fail on their own. And I'm like, that, there's some logic in my mind to that. I mean, that doesn't give them necessarily the best chance to win these games. And that's ultimately what he wants to do. But I look at it and just go like, let's just throw it at his helmet. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. those replacements. I was <laughs> that's maybe the replacements. Like the replacements just, yeah. just throw it right at them. That's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, my, my only other note for this game, uh, or I had two, I had a question for you, and then my other note was that okay. uh, Travis Kelsey is personally murdering my fantasy football team. Uh, he only has one touchdown since making his relationship with Taylor Swift public, and I'm here for this to stop. I want, I want, I want them to break up. That's just me. No. Uh, my question for I'm you, not- though, Mike, is are the Chiefs done? Uh, for winning a Super Bowl, yes. Okay. I think I agree with you. Uh, game who ball. It? Who are the AFC uh-huh. team? Who are the AFC teams that you think can win the Super Bowl then? Miami and Baltimore. 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 Yeah. Until, and, and unless they have like a weird game that, if they have those sometimes, they lost to Pittsburgh in a weird way, they lost to Indianapolis Colts in a weird way, they can lose in weird ways. Um, it also is determined that they, they get injured a lot. Uh, yeah. So if they lose any other key players, I mean, we could be having a different discussion. Maybe Mahomes and his receivers have a heart to heart and things flip for them. I don't know. But right now, the only team that looks like um, I don't think it's one A and one B. I think it's one and two. And I think it's uh, Baltimore, Miami, one and two, not one A, one B. Um, I don't think it's that close. I think Baltimore. To me, looks like a dominant team. Do you think Buffalo could get hot? Yes. Yeah, I think I think they're probably number three on the list out of all the other teams. Um, But like we've talked about all year with them, the variation of the games that they play is so up and down. You, it's very hard to predict what version of the Buffalo Bills you're going to get. So, but top to bottom as a team with those players. And yeah, absolutely. They should be competing for a Super Bowl every year. Right. All right. Who's uh, your game ball? Quick game ball. Las Vegas defense, uh, four sacks, 10 quarterback hits, 
uh, two turnovers. They scored two touchdowns uh, and forced KC uh, to go two and four in the red zone. So really good game by them. They were definitely motivated. A um, lot of lot of talk about Max Crosby and Patrick Mahomes going at it. There was on display in that uh, documentary Quarterbacks on Netflix about how uh, Max Crosby just chips at you all the time. Um, there was also a segment in Hard Knocks, uh, Miami, where they were playing, uh, I think it was episode one, they were playing um, the Raiders that week, and they had one of the uh, the defensive guys just go up to Tua and just smack him on the back of the helmet and push him after the play was over just to get prepared for the chipping that, that Crosby does. So um, he came to play this week, and so did the rest of that defense. Yeah. Oh, and the coldest thing. Um, I think his name is Jack Jones or something like that. The the cornerback who had the, the interception for a touchdown, he uh, went to go give the ball to a Chiefs fan and then took it back on. It was Christmas Day, and then he did that. I just thought it was so cold blooded. Um, uh, I yeah. saw he he went back though, and he said no. He like he was trying to hand it to. I saw on Twitter like he responded to somebody and was like. If you go, if you watch the whole tape, like uh, some guy like jumped in and tried to grab the ball. I was trying to give it to a kid and I took the ball back from the guy and gave it to the little kid. Okay. That's what it was. So it's, it was uh yeah, media, media hyping that up uh, as if he's still funny. Negative. All right. All right. This game and not a lot to really talk about here. It's just an ass weapon. Um, let's go giants at Philly. Uh, this game, uh, also interesting game. It was all Philly the first half. They were up 20 to three. And then the second half started. Uh, Philly fumbles the second half kickoff. Um, Giants score three plays later. Jalen Hurts Saquon throws a pick Barkley. six. Saquon Barkley uh, touchdown. Yep. Uh, Jalen throws a pick six. Uh, Giants get a two point conversion. Adoree Jackson, shout out. Yeah. Um, and now the score is uh, 20 to 18. And all the momentum is going the Giants' way. I was like, just to watch this unfold and almost like a, you know, I think there was two, there was another series in between the touchdown and the pick six. But I mean, this all happened within about eight, 10 minutes of game time. And it just like, what is happening? <laughs> and it was in Philly too. So you could see right. it got really quiet at the, at the link. I am going to spotlight uh, the running game, though. I was screaming at the TV. I had we were down the downstairs watching this game. I had a couple people over for Christmas Day and we were kind of sitting down watching the end of this game. I'm screaming at the TV. Uh, Philly was throwing these like intermediate routes that were all incomplete, complete drive killers. I saw that the the Giants were dropping the safety 27 down into the box and they were basically that middle linebacker was playing that Tampa Tampa two where he'd sprint back into that, that middle zone. And I'm like, it would leave it wide open for a run. And they're one of the best running teams in the league with that offensive line. I'm like, what are they doing? Um, Well, Philly, they listened Uh, 90 of their 170 rushing yards uh, was in this fourth quarter. They'd included seven straight DeAndre Swift's Swift runs uh, to set up Philly's final field goal. So um, they got back to basics at the end of the game and kind of just pounded it, pounded them into the ground. Yeah, um, you know, it just was 
the it's it's sad to me so first of all to speak to your your thing about the uh the running game yeah deandre swift finally gets going a little bit in this game he's had a few just like games where he Dinkers. completely disappeared yeah um unfortunately it seems like the tommy devito era may be coming to an end in new york before it even began uh he was pulled from the game uh for tyrod taylor after struggling pretty mightily against that philadelphia defense um but you know tyrod taylor like w- this guy just sticks around and, and makes plays when he gets in the game i you know hats off to him for for uh kind of leading them back and, and keeping it close yeah they tacked him with an interception but it was at the end of the game um kind of like a, it was fourth down throw away 26 yard pass into the end zone right. um I, I don't necessarily put that on him like I don't know why, why so many of the players were like positioned in that back corner. Um, it just, you know, they just ran out of time on that, but yeah, to your point, I thought he missed an opportunity. He was rolling to his left and he had Darren Waller like wide open for a touchdown and he underthrew him. I know it's hard when you're rolling to your left as a right-handed quarterback to get those hips and shoulders turned around to, to give it a good chance. Um, you know, I saw some, some other, some of the other, better quarterbacks maybe ones that have better arms and things like that like josh allen for example makes that play um just because on his arm strength alone so um, that would be the only thing that i would say is um those are the types of throws you don't get um with uh, a tyrod taylor but he can make most of the other throws that you need him to make i saw an interesting stat about jalen hurts uh yesterday that his I think he has 15 rushing touchdowns over the last two seasons and mm-hmm. that those 15 rushing touchdowns were totaled 25 yards rushing, which is just. Insane. Yeah. It reminds me of that stat where, um, where uh, Clay Thompson had like 11 threes and like 35 points on like four dribbles or whatever. And it just like, it's that kind of thing where he is so good at this one thing, the catch and shoot that he doesn't really need to even reset with the dribble. Uh, And I think Jalen hurts, you know, you just know they're one yard and whatever that, that, that the uh, brotherly shoves coming up and uh, he's going to get it. So that's what that tells me. He's got a specialty move. Didn't the Seahawks pull one of those off this weekend too? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Awesome. Well, I talked about this guy earlier, uh, AJ Brown. He got my game ball. Uh, he was just a dog out there. Uh, every time they needed a big play in the passing game, he was there. He earned every one of those 80 yards. Um, I saw him picking himself off the field a couple of times, just like he looked exhausted. Um, they were just pounding him into the ground, uh, that giant, uh, giant secondary. And he just got up every time, got back in there, locks down field, did what he had to do. Uh, really good game by him. Oh, good, for, good for him. Yeah, he did have a good game. All right, uh, very enthusiastic. Good game there. Awesome. Uh, Baltimore at San Francisco. Uh, probably the game of the week. This is uh, the first half of this game was really close. Um, the San Francisco defense managed to overcome three interceptions from Brock Purdy. I thought uh, CMC, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle both had big first halves. Uh, then the wheels fell off. Like San Francisco received the second half kickoff. Um, they have the punt. Then it's a Baltimore TD. Purdy throws his fourth. 
and most egregious interception. And then it's a Baltimore TD. Now San Francisco's down 18 and they have to score three touchdowns against this great Baltimore defense. It's the, it happens that fast sometimes. And that's what we saw this week. It was just boom, boom. And now you're down by 18 and really have no chance. Yeah, my uh, first note for this is Baltimore goes into San Francisco and takes Brock Purdy's soul. Uh, <laughs> forcing the MVP favorite into four interceptions. Uh, and he dropped from that that uh, spot at the top of the, the Vegas odds to fourth place. Um which is pretty crazy, man. Uh, and this was like just a, a all-out domination by the Ravens, which uh, considering that they spotted San Francisco uh, a five-point lead, you know, basically it gave up a gave up that uh, safety early on where uh, Lamar didn't get the ball back to the line of scrimmage after he had rolled out and and then given up a few a quick field goal. Um, then they go on to outscore them thirty-three to eight the rest of the game. Uh, yeah, it was just, yeah. I mean, it, it was the, the Ravens got him in pretty much every aspect of the game. Uh, and then I don't know, is, is Purdy removed later in the game for a concussion, like to get checked on for a concussion or they just pulled him because he wasn't playing, he was playing so poorly. There's some questions about the motivation there. Um, some of it was preservation for they tried to act like the game was, was out of hand. Yeah. They tried to act like it was an injury thing though. I think to, to or at least that maybe it was, I mean, I'm not here to say he wasn't injured, but um, yeah, it seemed honestly, like- I have no idea what Kyle Shanahan, how he thinks. So maybe he just wants to get a look at Darnold and go, if I have to go into the playoffs with this guy throwing four interceptions, I need to know that this other guy can step up and, uh, and do some damage. So maybe that was it too. Who knows? Right. Um, my spotlight for this game is penalties. Um, I didn't watch this entire game in real time. Um, so you don't get to see this game must have taken forever. There were six flags for 67 yards on Baltimore and 10 flags for 102 yards on San Francisco. Um, I looked at this and during that struggle with them to score, uh, there was a couple of like key um, San Francisco penalties that really kind of got in the way of them being able to come back in this game. Third quarter, San Francisco's four, uh, fourth and five um, on their own 30. There's a false start. San Francisco punts from their 25. Hunter gets an unnecessary rough, uh, roughness call, 15 yards. Baltimore starts possession on the San Francisco 44. They're already in uh, San Francisco territory. Uh, three, pay, three plays later, they score a TD. So it, it's basically, they keep moving backwards you know, because of these penalties and it just gives Baltimore a short field and you don't ever want to see that as, uh, as a team. And the second one I wanted to call out was in the fourth quarter. It's second and four. They're on the Baltimore 38. They're moving in the right direction. Offensive holding. Um, they called the offensive holding from the 35. So back 10 yards are now in Baltimore's 45. It's second and 11. San Francisco goes, uh, no gain, incomplete, one-yard loss, turnover on downs. Really, again, stops that momentum. Um, my game ball, it has to be the Baltimore defense. Four sacks, nine hits, five total turnovers, and uh, held the Shanahan offense only 19 points, uh, two of four attempts in the red zone. So uh, really, really good day by them. Yeah, for sure. Um, hold on, pulling up this uh... – I had taken a screenshot of this tweet. Where was it? Where did it go? Uh, and it was the payout for, I guess I didn't. 
there was so a, a better um had made a, a somebody had made a bet for five dollars that like 12 different people would score an anytime touchdown and Christian yeah and he needed McCaffrey right leg, and it was and it was five dollars went like 49,000 and like him and his yep. boys just went fucking nuts when uh McCaffrey got in the end zone but uh not to uh to make this not about myself again um I was I had uh in my fantasy football league I was ahead by 35 points after Travis Kelsey shit the bed for me um and I was ahead by 35 or 30 it was 35 point something and the person I was playing had Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey going in the fourth quarter he needs like 3.67 points to to go ahead of me and uh Sam Darnold leads the Raven like when Sam Darnold comes in he starts only throwing to Brandon Ayuk and I am just thanking God because Debo Samuel stops catching the ball they stop running the ball with McCaffrey McCaffrey he, he caught a couple of balls out of the backfield but they were all for very short gains but it is a PPR league so every time he catches a ball even if it's for a negative one he's still getting you know a, a point. point basically um they get the ball to the two yard line, Mike. Uh, first and goal at the two yard line off of a pass interference against Baltimore. They run or no first first down. They throw the ball into the end zone to Ayuk, incomplete pass. Second down, they run McCaffrey up the middle. He gets one yard. Then it goes to the two minute warning, and I am just pulling my fucking hair out because I'm ahead by three points. If McCaffrey gets in the end zone, Debo gets in the end zone. It's over. Uh, and really there's other options that could make it over as well. So I'm like freaking out. Sam Darnold comes back out. They try to throw it again. He throws a pick and the heavens, the, 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 the fantasy football gods smile on me. So I, I win the game. You live to fight another day. Fighting one more week here. Hopefully, hopefully we can get it this time. So thank you, Baltimore. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right. All right. Oh, let's that. let's look forward. Week 17. Um, there's a couple of games here that actually might have some some potential. Um, the first one I kind of got marked down on my calendar here is uh, Detroit at Dallas potential wild card round matchup. Um, I actually put some money on this. I'm, I'm putting some money on this one. I'm taking Dallas minus six and the over of 53 and a half. I don't see any way where Detroit can stop this Dallas offense. Um, and I think Detroit, it's kind of like the matchup of their best thing. So with the, with the Dallas defensive line and the pressure that they bring with that Detroit offensive line, I think we can have potentially have a high scoring game, but I think Dallas definitely wins uh, at the end of the day. Yeah. I had that one on my list as well. I'm just anxious to see if, uh, if Detroit can, if Dan Campbell can uh, motivate Detroit to to get their shit together and and shut down this Dallas offense, uh, be be interesting to see. Yeah, I got uh, another one that I wanted to watch was Miami at Baltimore. Um, I think, like we mentioned earlier, I think Baltimore is the best team in the league. Um, I want to see how Miami's offense fares against this defense. Um, Generally just, speaking, in the NFL, at the top level, the defense always wins out. That's why I'm taking Baltimore minus three and a half in this game. 
Yeah, that line might have moved too because I just saw the uh, Dolphins announce that Jalen Waddle is out for this game. So, oh boy, they they don't have a lot of depth at that receiver position. That's unfortunate. Uh, I'm looking um, this one as well, though. Okay, um, I actually put uh, I'm taking Las Vegas money line at Indianapolis. Um, I just think that defense is playing out of their mind right now, and I'm not sure. I think Indianapolis is going to fall off the um, off the off the board here and out of the playoffs. Um, I did put Pittsburgh at Seattle, uh, some major playoff implications in, for both of these teams. So that's an interesting game to keep your, your eye on. I did not bet this game. However, I also wanted to uh, look at Cincinnati at KC. It's not the Burrow versus Mahomes matchup that we, that we look forward to every year, but um, uh, you know, can Casey, stop their slide against these uh, Cincinnati Bengal defense. Um, I don't know. It's going to be tougher than we think. I think that defense is pretty good. Um, they're going to be pressuring Mahomes for sure. And uh, was it Hendricks? That guy, that guy's pretty darn good. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. Um, I, I also had the saints and Buccaneers game and uh, mm. that's going to be, you know, I mean, Basically, Buccaneers win that one, and they probably have that that division sewn up for the most part. Um, and then uh, the other one with some playoff implications is Packers and Vikings. Um, yeah, definitely both of those. Um, I have two more bets. Arizona um, at Philly. I'm taking Arizona plus um, uh, ten and a half. Um I thought that line was interesting. The Philadelphia offense has not been just like burning the world uh, down or anything like that. And Arizona still seems to be competing um, in these games. So I thought 10 and a half is quite a bit. So I'll take Arizona plus 10 and a half. And then I'm taking the charger uh, money line over Denver. I think Denver is collapsing. I think uh, we'll talk about this a little later. They're benching Russell, Russell Wilson or uh, Trevor Simeon. Um, I don't, see i think that they're just gonna tank <laughs> yeah i would go the opposite way man i almost feel like uh they might rally around jared stidham yeah no i'm comfortable with my charger money line on this uh plus 158 the value's there too so um yeah anyways those are my bets the five bets that i have we'll see how those turn out uh, payout looking like a hundred dollar bet for each, about twelve hundred thirty-two dollars and ninety-five cents. So if I can, uh, definitely pulls me out of the hole that I started um, up through week eight this year. <laughs> All, right. All right, man. Question of the week: You had a couple. I think we're pushing um, your Russell Wilson question till hurting goats. But you had uh, another question for me about uh, the oversaturation of the market. So yeah, okay. So is is there just too much NFL football on TV, Mike? Um, and do you think – how many days do you think we will eventually see NFL football on TV? Because right now with – you know, I, they always – they do this every year, I guess. After uh, after college football ends, they, they start having a couple of two, three uh, Saturday games for the last few weeks of the uh, NFL regular season, but – yeah, what what is uh, what's your opinion on that? 
So are they oversaturating the market? Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, but the numbers don't lie. I mean, they look at the comparison of the NBA and the NFL this week, and they had like 25 million viewers per each one of the NBA games or on the, uh, sorry, the NFL games on Christmas. And then the NBA games averaged about two and a half million in, in viewership. So it's tenfold. Um, so yeah, they're going to oversaturate as much as they can. Um, I don't ex- think real quick. Sorry. Think about like, no. The, the NBA, like that's usually like their marquee day. Like that's like the first thing you hear about when they announce the NBA schedules. Like who who's playing on Christmas? Because it's right. always like big, big matchups. And the NBA must have just been like, God damn it. This year when they saw that the NFL was putting three games on on uh, Christmas Day. So. Yeah, I mean, they, they just took it over. I didn't watch a lick of basketball uh, this week, in part because. I have to prepare for this podcast and, yeah. you know, I don't have time to really focus on the NBA until the NFL season's over. That's so, um, yeah, I, it's unfortunate cause I love watching ball. Um, yeah. but right now the focus is football. Um, I don't know if they can add more days of the week. I think, I think Friday and Saturday through most of the season, they're just like unable to do it due to, you know, laws. Um, and if you, People listening to this podcast may or may not know the NFL is an approved monopoly. They're allowed to exist in themselves. And as long as they don't compete with um, college uh, football on Saturdays and high school football on 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 Friday nights. Uh, But the rest of the week is pretty much wide open for them. Uh, They've done Sunday for a long time now. Monday night football, obviously, you've heard of they added, you know, several years ago, the Thursday night games. Um, I would be hard pressed to see if they would fill Tuesday and Wednesday with, with games. I don't want to see it. I don't want to get to a point where I don't have a breather, man. I need those two days in order to do the notes for the podcast anyway. So Goodell, if you're listening, let's just slow down a little bit, but I, I, I assume there's also some um, CBA things that they need to take into account, like some agreements that half the players have to say, I'm not, we can't do this many games. We can't do, you know, they're going to go for 18 games uh, soon enough. Um, They were 16 and now they're 17. They're going to go to 18. Um, Do you think they proved that? I know like when they were, uh, they were discussing different like ways, like, Oh, you know, how do you keep, how do you make these players play 18 games in 17 weeks? Do you think they'll do two bye weeks? Do you think they'll do uh, where you can only play in 17 games? Like you have to have one game off. I doubt they'll do that. But uh, you think we add another bye week if we get to 18? Oh, I have no idea. how. I mean, this is they're like the people who come up with the schedule are like, you know, physicists. I don't know how they (laughs) they figure this stuff out. I couldn't imagine like old school when the chalkboards and they're like, you know, all the strings and everything <laughs> it's like a like you're solving a like a murder case or something but uh, I, I don't know i don't know how they're going to come up with it or figure it out uh, i'll leave it up to them to do that um 18 is a lot of games i will say but uh do you think they add more teams to the nfl or you think they stay at 32 i don't see where they would add um obviously you have to get approval from the owners adding another team, although they get the money up front for like the franchise fees, but then you get 33 teams. It's, it's where do they go? 
uneven, you know, divisions. I think they're pretty locked into 32 right now. And I don't think as it is right now, as greedy as these, these dudes are, that they're going to want to split their uh, um, market share uh, by 33 versus 32. I think they're already feel like you don't think Jerry Jones sits there and goes, why am I paying an equal share of all of this buttload of money to the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah. Because no one cares about the Arizona Cardinals. They care about the Dallas Cowboys. I should get a bigger share. You think those conversations don't happen? I mean, think of, I mean, add another, like really another team at the bottom of, of this. I mean, I think there's probably three or four teams that you just relegate. Now let's, let's do that. Let's relegate them to somewhere. You know? Yeah, I could see Some, that. that. To might... the XFL, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, that's my response and I'm sticking to it. All right, let's move on to take corner. Did you have any takes? Um, Mike, there was so much football and family on this week area uh, dealing with family and holiday obligations. I did not have time to have any hot takes. I, there was a couple of days that uh, me and Angie, my wife sat down to like watch a Christmas movie. Like generally don't watch a lot of these kind of like warm and fuzzy movies, but we're kind of, we were in the mood after kind of like baking all day and doing all this stuff. And we sat down and we watched uh, a couple of movies um some of the some of the some of the ones that everyone kind of knows you know i've seen christmas vacation like a billion times and i just like it, it at some point i'm like i want to move on to some something fresh um and we realized that most of i'd say 99% of the quote unquote holiday movies that you can search for in these streamers are trash absolute trash and I'm like, I'm so surprised it's this full of movies that this genre is that there are so many, there aren't really any good ones. And I thought there's probably only 12 to 15 uh, good to great Christmas movies all time, like in the history of cinema. Like it, it's really a short list of movies. Uh, and I thought I was, I was, I was taken back um, by that. I, th- I thought there'd be a little bit deeper, deeper well for, for that. I guess I saw him. I could have stopped watching Christmas movies in like 1988. And I would have been fine. Um, what do you have your list? Did you make a whole list up or no? Um, no, I didn't make a list. I think I didn't check it twice either. Um, I, I would say Miracle on 34th Street. Um, you you said you said a couple the other day. Christmas Vacation, Elf, um, The Holidays. Um, we watched a good one. Um, uh, the happiest season it's on um i think it's on one of the streamers hulu maybe uh that, that was a good one um i always like the scrooged movie with uh bill murray scrooge is good i mean but a lot of them are based on that same principle right we saw one with like james gandolfini and um uh ben affleck and christina applegate it's like he goes to this house where he used to live and then pays uh, Gandolfini's family like $250,000 to pretend that it's a Christmas. Like the family used to pretend like it was a family Christmas and he was part of the family. And I just like started to take a look at that one. I'm like, man, this shit is really weird. So I think it's called like surviving Christmas or something maybe, yeah. but um, Christmas with it, the just get, it gets really weird, man. 
really Christmas, weird. Christmas with the cranks was pretty good. There's yeah, we saw that. We had that. We. I'm not a huge fan of Tim Allen, uh, so I would have a tough time kind of watching that. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, that it's not a deep well, man. And I was really surprised at how Die Hard. Do you consider Die Hard a uh, Christmas movie? I do. And then but I was I telling you, I don't know I, if I'm right. I was telling you, I, well, they say that that's like Washington's, like each state when they go by who, I, like each state's favorite Christmas movie, uh, Die Hard is always comes up as Washington state's favorite movie. I don't know. Like I, I never really considered it a, a holiday movie until then, but I also was telling you that I had a, a friend or somebody I know went to uh, see uh screening of uh eyes wide shut at the capitol theater um down here in olympia and like that's like i never thought of that as a holiday movie either but i guess it does take place at christmas so i don't know it's weird i never never thought about that so so that i guess that's the point there's movies that happen during christmas time and then there's christmas movies and you know you have to decide for yourself uh, where they lie, I guess. I think there's like a, right. Paul, I think there was a Paul Walker movie too that like takes place at Christmas. It was like a really like dark, like kind of gangland style, drug fueled movie, but can't remember the name of it now. All right, diversity. Um, I have Hard Knocks this week. Do you have anything else? Uh, the only thing I watched outside of Hard Knocks was. Uh, I did catch the second half of the Pistons Nets uh, game the other night that uh, got Detroit the record of consecutive losses in one season at twenty seven, which was uh, yeah. which was pretty pretty terrible. I just wanted to have it. Yeah, you know, I just kind of had it on in the background, but yeah, Detroit actually had a five point lead at one point before uh, in the late third, early fourth quarter before uh, Brooklyn went on a 13-0 run to kind of put him So apparently, apparently Cape Cunningham was out of his mind in this game, right? When everything was falling for him. He had like some 40-something points or whatever. Um, and then I think it was uh, Bill Simmons had a had a tweet. Like, of course, after, you know, Cade scoring like 40-whatever and hitting every shot, uh, they ran like plays for like Trey Burks to, <laughs> to end the game. And it's just like such a piston thing to do, I guess. Yeah, really crazy stuff. All right, um, hard knocks in season Miami Dolphins episode six. Um, I would call it uh, the Mostert origin story episode. Uh, we also have uh, Cater Kohu, um, their slot receiver, uh, I'm sorry, slot corner was part of that discussion as well. Um, his origin story coming from the Ivory Coast was born there, lived there till about 10 years old. Throw in a little uh, Civil War action, and the family moves to the States. So that was an interesting story, something about him that I didn't know. Um, so that was pretty, pretty fun. Well, I mean, the story is what it is, but um, and it was, you know, the, the Christmas episode. So I thought it was a fun bit that um, Dan Marino gave everyone in the quarterback room the isotoner gloves. So that I was, that that was, was like the highlight of the episode for me. When, yeah, when so funny. comes in and starts handing out ice and toner, he's just like, hey guys, I got a lifetime supply. I didn't even know they still made ice and toner. <laughs> man, a lot of Uncle Dan in this episode. but That was great, man. It was great. And it was nice to kind of watch 
you know, again, Dallas, you know, lose in this scenario and just kind of how cohesive and together this team is. Um, Regardless of where they finish the season, they're in the playoffs. We know that for sure. Uh, They sealed the deal this week that they're in. They've clinched a playoff. They don't necessarily know where they're, what seed they are, or whether they can, whether they're going to win the um, uh, AFC East. Actually, there's still an opportunity if they lose to the Ravens and then lose to the Buffalo Bills. They're going to be, they're not going to win the division. So there's still a lot of stuff up in the air, but they're in, and um, good for them, I guess. Absolutely. All right, herding goats. Um, my good this week is Jimmy Johnson. Um, Jerry Jones finally placed him in, uh, the Cowboys ring of honor. So congratulations to Jimmy Johnson. Um, he gave Jerry Jones three Super Bowl rings and, um, I guess they put their differences aside and get them up, um, on, on the ring of ring of honor. So good job. Oh, that's, that's good. That's good. He deserves it. Um, my good is Christmas getting to spend time with, you know, friends and family and, uh, you know, just, yeah, having, getting to watch football, getting to just kind of, uh, relax and, and have a, have a fun week and, and just, yeah, I've had a good, good time and, and, um, appreciate that. And just, I uh, hope everybody out there listening had a similar, uh, similar experience. Uh, no, I didn't. Well, <laughs> I'm enjoying the time off. Uh, so that's good. So go. I took uh, the week off between Christmas and New Year's uh, from work. Um, to, you know, I even slept into like noon yesterday. So that was nice. You know, having people over for Christmas is, is fun. Don't get me wrong. It is a lot of work when you're hosting. Um, I had to like dog sit uh, my kids dog for a day and it just like i don't know i just don't want to spend my entire day like following a dog around to make sure they don't like mess up my house or whatever so there's like some things that i'd like to make sure don't happen again but um yeah for the most part man it was it's fun just to kind of be into the um into the whole thing baking and cooking some good food you know my wife really Booked it up this year. She just tried some really amazing things. You know, you you got the benefit of some of her baking and stuff like that. So that was really cool to watch her kind of, you know, find a passion there. Uh, she had a lot of fun doing it, and uh, I had a lot of fun eating it. So that was good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All uh, right. So yeah, good. Yeah. You go, man. I was going to transition into bad, but if you had yeah. something else to say, no, that's it. You go. All right, Florida State. Uh, Florida State follows a lawsuit against the ACC, um, stating that member schools should be able to leave their conference without paying um, the $130 million withdrawal penalty and forfeiting their $130 million in media rights share. Um, Florida State is stating that the ACC's, quote-unquote, incompetence and, quote-unquote, mismanagement, that they failed to keep up with the other top power five conferences like the Big Ten, SEC, if, if uh, Florida State is allowed to leave without this penalty and forfeiture, uh, it is likely that several other ACC teams would also look to leave. That would be uh, Virginia, University of Virginia, Virginia Tech, 
North Carolina, North Carolina State, Clemson, and uh, maybe even Miami leaving the ACC. Uh, quite a precedent. It's um, looking a little ugly, and we'll see how that plays out. Uh, shout out to my brother Matt. Miami is going to be uh, if they if the ACC implodes, Miami is going to be in the Big Twelve. Have fun, bucko. Uh, my bad, Mike, is the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Um, we have enough bowl games. We do not need a bowl game sponsored by a mayonnaise company that after the game, the coach of the winning team has a bucket, a Gatorade bucket full of mayonnaise dumped over them. That happened? It happens every year. It's the grossest thing. The guy that the 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 reporter for ESPN that was there to interview the coach after he had the, the mayonnaise dumped over him uh, had something, he was eating something and he like dipped it, uh, he like wiped it on the coach's hat to get some of the mayonnaise off and kept eating it. It was the grossest thing I've ever seen. And there are few things in sports that are more irrelevant than a college bowl game at this point. Especially now that we're moving to 12 teams next year um, in the college football playoffs. So, yeah. All right. Now, uh, let's get to weird the stuff. Ugly. Let's get to the ugly. This is my favorite. Uh, it's about to be my favorite uh, portion of this. Of this. All right. So, the, the Russell Wilson saga is this week's ugly. I think we both it's have in this. My victory lap. He was removed as a starter uh, to preserve the asset. Basically, if he suffers a long-term injury within the next two games, his 2025 salary of uh, $37 million will be guaranteed. Uh, this would be make it much more difficult uh, to move on from him. So they want to sit him down. Uh, apparently, they've been trying to do this uh, for a few games now. Uh, uh, since uh, uh, Halloween, I believe. Yeah, they were asking him. They were going to. They were basically threatening him to sit down. Um, no, uh, to, to let, remove. They were threatening to. Rem, they were going to sit him. They, they that. That's what I'm trying to get to. Okay. All right, man. <laughs> they were threatening to bench him. Let's use proper vernacular so maybe that you can understand what I'm trying to say. Uh, they threatened to bench him. It was my issue, not yours. Yeah. Um, they were threatening to bench him if he didn't uh, revoke his guarantee for that $37 million. And he, he didn't do it to his to his credit. Um, so they took precautions to, to bench him so that, you know, they didn't have to trigger that. Um, this move likely projects Denver's interest on moving on from him after the season. Um, they can do various things. They're probably going to just flat cut him because I don't know if there's going to be a lot of uh, likely trade candidates out there uh, because of his contract. Um, this would have reset Russell's contract essentially. Um, now it, this depends on how they want to spread the cap hit of 85 million Denver. Um, I think if they cut him before June 1st, a lot of people are thinking like in that March timeframe, um, it's an $85 million cap hit. They, they cut him after June 1st. They can apparently spread that 85 uh, million over the next two years. So uh, 2024, 2025. Um, so I don't know how this is going to work. Well, and they, uh, can, they can they can cut him and just designate him as a post June first cut. 
So they can cut him at any point after the. Oh, there you go. Okay. Because they have to, they have to make that decision if they're going to, if he's still on the roster, I guess on March 17th, I think then that, that same bonus or that same guarantee for the 38 million kicks in 37. Yeah. Um, Yep. So, yeah. But, um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, like who, nobody could have seen this coming when Seattle traded him to Denver before last, last off season. My takeaway from this is that Russell Wilson has a lot of grace. He was yelled at by his team last year. He didn't play very well. It was definitely his worst season ever playing football. Um, this year, he is has played so much better. His numbers right now are uh, uh, in line with Patrick Mahomes as far as what he's been able to, to produce on the field. Um, he was absolutely berated by Sean Payton on the sideline in this inexplicable way. Um, that makes, frankly, to me, Peyton looked like an absolute asshole. Um, and he sat there and he took it with grace. And he's not in the media talking about things. Um, he's just going in and he's doing his job. I think he's not the problem of why this team is losing. If I was a free agent quarterback that had an opportunity to go somewhere, how about Justin Fields? Um, I would not choose this team because of Sean Payton and the way that he's treated Russell Wilson. I wouldn't want to be put in a position where, oh, I'm no longer his guy, or I'm no longer you know, playing up the hit, what his expectations are. And then I have to deal with this guy yelling at me at a, on a sideline. Um, these are professionals. Um, we don't do that in workplaces. I know these guys get riled up and scream and shout and do all this kind of stuff when they're in, you know, in their, their rooms and they cuss and they just like just men being men and all that bullshit. But that is just unacceptable to me. There's ways that you can have these conversations with, with adults that don't result in screaming and all that kind of other nonsense. So um, I would not want to play for Sean Payton. I would not want to play for this team. I hope Russell Wilson can get out uh, cleanly. I would love to see him on, let's say Atlanta. I think it'd be a perfect team for him. They could use that running game to kind of, uh, take the pressure off him a little bit. That defense is playing pretty good. Uh, if they don't regress too much into next year, I think it would be a perfect fit um, for Russell Wilson moving forward. You know, I think they would open their – I think they should open their arms up and give Russell Wilson a big old hug and uh, say, hey, we'll take you. Come on, man. Well, the title of this episode, Mike, is Mr. Unlimited. Um and I just I feel like Russell Wilson is one of the most unlikable people in the NFL. And it's not and, and it's not like, you know, he's not like the guy that beat up his wife or got a bunch of DUIs or whatever. He's just un, or like screams at people or whatever the case. Like he's just unlikable. He's unlikable. And it's not surprising that. He doesn't project genuine. No, he seems like one of the fakest human beings alive. But he um, he has been out since then. I know he posted something on Twitter last night saying God's got God's got me, and I'll I'll be fine. Whatever happens from here, um, looking forward to the next next whatever adventure or something. 
but then he went yeah. on and was like he he liked a bunch of tweets that were you know calling out the broncos and all this other stuff so um but he i don't know man i mean i i, I hope he does well moving forward um somewhere else i just don't know i don't know man because he so so here here are two two points i wanted to make one his passer rating right his stats like you mentioned he's got just as good as stats as patrick mahomes if not a little bit better but his passer rating which just goes off of statistics is like eighth in the nfl very good but his qbr which takes into account your role in the offense and like how you play is like he has the biggest gap high leverage situations it, it, it accounts for that as well how right. you're playing in tough fourth quarter comebacks things like that so he has the biggest gap of starting nfl quarterbacks between passer rating and qbr his qbr is very low his passer rating is very high he's not he is a problem on that team they're losing games because he goes he gets jittery in the pocket and goes off script and that's what like he's getting sacked multiple times a game because he can't stand in and make the pass and that's what Peyton wants in his offense and if if Russell Wilson's not his guy it's not his guy probably shouldn't have screamed you, kept, you keep saying line. this guy if he if he was if he was if, if they were winning it would be fine it has nothing to do with his guy I just I don't understand this this argument. Like all Peyton wants is to just fill the room with his quote unquote guy. It doesn't make any sense. That is not a realistic goal in any scenario in the NFL. You don't have that ability. You're not a you're not recruiting players. You're drafting players. It's you're signing like, players. You're moving like them when, around. You're teaching like, them how to do things. It's this, just like this, when, this, it's just like when a new GM comes in and fires a coach. Not but that's guy. a different relationship altogether. You can actually go up and pick a coach off the, off the off the lot. You hire a coach. You don't draft a coach. Okay, but he clearly doesn't think that Russell Wilson can run his offense. That's a different so, scenario than it's well, not being his guy. It, I mean, what's the difference? Just, it's, it's, it's definitely semantics, semantics but it's no, semantics. it's not really because your your notion of his guys because it was not handpicked by him. He right. doesn't want it. And that's not a reality for a coach in the NFL. You don't get to handpick everything that you want. He might not even get to handpick his next quarterback. I don't know what kind of like level he has. And may, oh, he might be able to, I, I want Justin Fields or I want this guy. And that guy's like, hell no, I don't want to work. I don't want to play for him. He doesn't get the opportunity well, to handpick these players he, like he, he thinks he does. make a player come and play for him, but he can draft a player that he wants. He can... Uh, well, he could draft a player that's at the level or the, that, that's still available at the time that he's drafting. May not be who he wants. Well, I'm, I doubt he's going to draft a player he doesn't want, though, either. So, but regardless, he doesn't think that Russell Wilson can run his offense, and he's now they're going to move on. They're going to. I mean, they they didn't pay him all that money to come in and. Like he he's running that team now for, I mean, better. That part I agree with you. I think, I think Sean Payton's delusional and we'll find this out over the next couple of years. Maybe he is. I'm not a Sean Payton fan. I'm just, I don't, I'm, 
and I, eventually I feel like Russell Wilson will be, uh, you know, have his proper place in Seahawks history for winning a Super Bowl there. I think but, Sean Payton is a dinosaur. I think coaches like that should not be in this league. He might have football knowledge, but I think as a human being, as a coach, as a teacher, he doesn't strike me as somebody that I want, you know, to hire at all. And it, and if and if this doesn't end in a in a Super Bowl for Denver, it's an abject failure all the way around. Well, because they, they look like assholes right now, and that's because they, of Sean Payton. They've but they look like morons for even making the Russell Wilson trade in the first place, too. So I don't know. Well, that that that's true for sure as well. I think Russell Wilson's getting the the raw end of this. Um, I think Sean Payton's a dick. I think the Denver uh, ownership has no idea what they're doing. Um, they're not football people. They're just a collection of rich people that decided to buy a team. That's it. Um, I don't know how this thing's going to work. I, I, I look at Russell and him competing in, in these games combined with the stats that I'm seeing. Uh, the turnovers are down. Um, I don't know what else this guy has to do. Um to get some respect out there. Yeah. It hasn't lived up to what they gave up to get him. Um, Seattle definitely won that end of the trade, but there are bad trades all the time. This in particular um, seems to like really get in people's craw. And part of that is how bad Denver looks at, at times. And you know what? Sean Payton's got his hands in that too. That defense needs to get better. Like what are we doing? Sean, Look at yourself, man. Probably right. Probably right. Well, on that note, let's wrap this mother effer up. <laughs> okay. Same. Um, I don't I don't I don't really have a full quote this year or this episode. I just wanted to say happy new year to you, Jeremy, and everyone's listening. And um I'll see everyone in uh 2024. See you next year. Happy New Year to you too, Mike. All right. Bye.